This podcast is brought to you by the Administrative Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, promoting the unity, purity, and progress of the church. Learn more about the Administrative Committee and support its work by visiting PCAAC.org. Welcome to Gifts and Graces. All Christians have communion in each other's gifts and graces, says the Westminster Confession. So on this podcast, we help you and your church benefit from the gifts and graces of other parts of Christ's body. Each episode, we bring you a seminar, sermon, or discussion from church leaders across the country and around the world designed to promote the unity, purity, and progress of the church. This is Gifts and Graces. On this episode of Gifts and Graces, we get to hear from Tim Skagel as he considers the peril and potential of youth sports. Tim Skagel is the Director of Athletics for Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. This was originally recorded as a seminar delivered at the 2021 General Assembly. Let's listen as Tim Skagel considers youth sports. Um, I'm thrilled to be here with you this morning. Um, Man, I love our King Jesus and I love sports. And so the fact that um, someone's going to let me talk about both of those things this morning gets me really excited. Youth sports. And so I want you to think about... Um, if you participate in youth sports, if your children participated in youth sports, if people in um, the congregations that you serve are participating in youth sports, um, we all have some thoughts and feelings on that, right? So it um, is either positive, um, negative, maybe a mixed bag. Um, probably for most of us it was a mixed bag at some level, but we invest a lot of time into it. And it's something that... Um, that has captivated the, the culture of our nation. Um, so because we spend so much time is it, in it, it's worth exploring, hey, how does our faith inform our view of sport, particularly at the youth level? And additionally, we need to ask, how can we make youth sport a life-giving, God-glorifying experience? And so that's what we're going to look at this morning together. Um, As we step into that, I'm going to walk us through why I think that sport should matter to us as believers, and then we'll have some applications on the youth sport front. So, um, or should sport matter to believers? And you know what my belief is on that, and and we'll walk through that a little bit from a scriptural perspective, um, because we need to be able to defend our perspective on sport from the word, right, from the Bible. Um, We're going to address the question of sports, do sports build character? Uh, Oftentimes folks believe that um, just automatically happens when we engage in sport, and so we're going to unpack does that actually occur? And then should there be a different way that we approach sports uh, depending on the skill level and the age of the folks that are involved in it? Oftentimes, in our country, we get into this win-at-all-cost mentality, and it's cultivated at a really young level. And is that the right way that we should be approaching youth sports? So these are the things that we're going to walk through this morning. So should sports matter to Christians? Um, I actually grew up in a home where the answer to that would be no. Um, sports should not matter um, to believers. We shouldn't spend time on sports. We shouldn't watch sports. It's not something that's going to help you grow as a believer. Um, so why would we jump into that? Why would that be um, something that we would look at? 
Um, as I've worked in college athletics at different Christian colleges, that question comes up as well. Should a Christian college actually have sports? Does that help us um, in our mission in um, seeking to know God better and glorifying him? So when we look at creation and its scope and mission, there is not one aspect in the universe that wasn't created or declared good by God. And then we look at the cultural mandate to unpack that more, and he gives us stewardship to fulfill the things that he has created with his purpose. So just because the fall happens after creation doesn't mean that we should throw sports out just because there's sin in the mix of sports, right? So you can watch ESPN for 10 minutes and you can see all the controversies that happen or all the things that happen that don't align with our faith. So it's clear that that sin is present in sports, even at the youth sport level, but that doesn't mean it's something that we should ignore as a church. So because everything was blessed, obviously under the, uh, under the fall, it's cursed, but everything's an opportunity to bear witness to Jesus Christ's redemption of all things, including sports. And so when we look at um, the argument made in Colossians 1, right, that's the argument that everything matters to the glory of God. So are athletics a legitimate human endeavor? When we look at the New Testament, there's a number of references, right, that you've all read before that have athletic imagery included in them. And so that gives us some indication that sports in and of themselves are not innately wrong or not innately sinful when we see a few different references in First and Second Timothy, also in Acts. 1 Corinthians, there's over five references in the New Testament to some form of athletic competition or sport imagery. So what we can say from a biblical perspective, this is a valid sphere um, that we can engage in as a legitimate human endeavor. But then how do we engage in it is the question that we need to ask. So David Brainerd um, obviously talked about, Lord, use me and use me up. Use everything that you have given to me. Um, the Bible calls us to present our whole selves as a living sacrifice. So all of ourselves, all the ways that we've been gifted, all the abilities that God has ha given to us, and that would be included, he's gifted a number of us athletically, right? And even if we're engaging in youth sports and there's not a lot of, and there's student there's athletes, young athletes that are not um, gifted athletically, it's still a way for them to glorify God through just the play that they're engaging in. So when we think through this, we're stepping into it, but then Romans 12 too, right, says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And we've already alluded at some of the patterns in sport that exist that don't align with our faith, but we have to know what these patterns are. We have to understand what is the pattern of this world that has impacted sport in a negative way for us to be able to step into it. So we have to understand how athletic culture is affected negatively by the fall. So we see this all the time, right? So um, selfishness, anger, idolatry, I'm finding my ultimate satisfaction and identity in sport. Um, if I'm not performing, I'm worthless. Um, arrogance, all these things come a lot of times in con and direct conflict with our identity as sons and daughters of the king. And so you have a young child who's crying in the corner of gym class because um, he missed the ball when he's playing kickball. 
and you have a professional student athlete um, that both have the same world view, that is, I am what I produce or I am what I do. And that's not the right approach, obviously, in light of Scripture. But we see that all the time, right? We see that, okay, God loves me more if I bat 400. God loves me more if I'm in school, um, have a 4.0. Um, and so those are the things that we're often working against when we're working through this. So what does it look like um, to bring a Christian worldview into our perspective of sport. So in our culture, the idea is going against, right? So I want to destroy the team I'm playing against. I want to kill the opponent, um, hopefully in theory, not in reality, but sometimes it borders on that, right? Um, but the original meaning in Latin is to compete with, together, partner, um, to petition alongside. And so the idea of competition is partnership, not adversary. So I want to compete against you in the hope that that will make me better and then I can, from a Christian perspective, use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given me to glorify him more because you're bringing out the best in me as I'm competing against you. I'm not trying to destroy you in the midst of competition, but so often that's the way that we're approaching it, even in the church. So we need to look at this, though, as the person I'm competing against is not an obstacle, but instead an instrument to achieve my best performance in the ways that God has given me. And then there's some real opportunities for discipleship here as well. So we can't reach our best without others investing in us and pushing us to places that we would never go. Um, and so it's the idea of... Um, the way that I'm coaching um, is going to impact the way that young believers um, are adopting their own philosophy of sport, whether or not they agree with that. And so am I coaching in a way um, that brings honor and glory to the king? And we're going to unpack that more because discipleship is a huge opportunity in sport, um, but it's often somewhere where we really miss the boat. And so sometimes we think um, as believers, our engagement in sport is, hey, we're going to pray before the game and we're going to pray after the game. But during the game, we're conducting ourselves um, the exact same way as everybody else. And you wouldn't actually know any, anything different if you didn't know it was a church league softball game or something like that, right? Um, and I would say we're, we're missing the boat there, and there's a lot of things that we can do um, differently. So we'll unpack that a little bit more um, when we think about the way that we're motivated in athletics. So oftentimes this comes um, in a really negative sense, right? So we're motivated by pride. I want to be the best because um, that makes me feel better about myself. Um, I'm getting angry with an, an opponent that's not performing well or with um, the 10-year-old youth soccer referee that made a call that I didn't agree with. Um, I have a fear of uh, not meeting expectations, and then depending on the level you get to in athletics, money is a big motivator as well, um, which distracts us in a number of different senses. When we look at Matthew 22, what's the best motivator in the Christian life? And it's love. Love God and love neighbor. We go a little further into the New Testament, into 1 Corinthians 13.1. And if I speak in tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. So if I am an all-American performer in sport but I'm not conducting myself with love, then that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of the kingdom. I'm missing it. So the Christian life rightly understood is having love for God and for others. So we need to drive um, love as the catalyst in our pursuit of athletics as believers in order to glorify God. So 
the question today is, are we actually cultivating love um, for each other, for God, and for the game when we engage in youth sports, or do we just have a thirst for results? And it's so easy to just have a thirst for results, right? Um, but that's something that we have to look at from a Christian perspective. So we define love biblically. Um, we can start in Hebrews 12, 6. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, he chastens everyone, he accepts as his son. And so from a discipleship perspective, it gives us the opportunity to develop relationships, um, to pour into people's lives, and not just, I want to make Jimmy um, better at kicking a soccer ball or better batting or um, holding his hand through after he shoots a, a free throw. But now I have a relationship, and how can I use that relationship to help people grow in their faith, right? So... Um, we all know this as believers. Um, so a couple of you guys I met right before we started, and um, but never met before. And so if, if we've never met before and, and you want to come to me and say, hey, Tim, I see something in your life that doesn't align with the faith that you claim, um, I might not be super receptive to that because I don't have a relationship with you, right? Um, maybe because we're at GA, um, I'll be a little bit more open to that, right? But in general, I'll probably be a little resistant to that. But then Oliver sitting in the back, um, worked with Oliver for a number of years, known him since I was a student at Covenant. If Oliver comes to me and says, hey, Tim, I see something in your life. I've known you for a while. I know he loves me and has um, the best thing in mind for me. I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to be open to that. And, and what sport does, it, is, it accelerates that process. So if someone's investing in you, trying to help you grow um, as an athlete, we're battling in practice, we're battling in games, and I see this man or this woman really cares deeply for me um, as a whole person, not just as an athlete, well, now you've earned the right to start speaking into their life. And that's a, that's a big approach um, that we take at Covenant through athletics as well, is using it as a catalyst for discipleship. We want to see young men and women that compete in our athletic department grow in their relationship with Christ as a result of being student-athletes at Covenant. But the same thing is true in youth sports, too. And youth sports actually have a much wider reach than college sports. We'll look at the percentages here in a second just for fun. But youth sports, the number of um, young folks that are participating in it is huge. And college sports, obviously, we're just taking a, a small segment of the population. So when we think about framing things in this way, everything we do as a Christian needs to be driven by a love for God. So obviously God would not settle for love if there was a more powerful motivator in the Christian life. And so as we're engaging in sport, as we're thinking through the ways that people are um, uh, framing their approach to it, we need to ask ourselves, where do I go quickly when I'm seeking to motivate? We can all get caught up as we're coaching new sports um, and we want to produce results or we want to um, have something change quickly in, in terms of performance. And what are the ways that I'm seeking to do that? Is it out of love or is it out of um, something else? Has something else crept in that's distracting me from the way that Christ is calling me to conduct myself in the context of youth sports? So we don't love just because we're supposed to. Obviously, if we did, we'd only need the law. Um, and so this makes us think, okay, how much time are we spending in the context of youth sports or sport at any level to invest in our athletes, make sure that they know that we love them, um, that there's a different way to approach sports that can be a really redemptive model. Instead, hey, you're just here to perform. If you can't perform, then... I'm not going to value you as much. And early on, we're teaching that your value is based in performance. Um, obviously, that's not the way that Christ calls us to. So 
we can eliminate that. We need to eliminate that because it's not the way that we can frame this, and we can still have a phenomenal youth sport experience. So as we think through this, um, we need to think about what, to what degree do we grasp this. We can't just assume this is a part in my life, this is a part in other people's lives. Um, I think some training needs to be done on this front, and so people can think about, I need to frame this differently. There's some really cool opportunities that we can work through in this. And so now it becomes really important, okay, who's coaching our young folks in sport? Um, I think more people in the church need to stand up to do that because they can frame this in an awesome way um, and have, obviously, great teaching in the realm of our denomination that gives them uh, the ability to do that. So do you love your players? Are your players being loved well? Um, do they love you? Probably not all the time, but we're also called to love the people um, that don't love us, right? So our king is a great example of that. Um, and people's ability to do hard things, obviously in the context of sport, oftentimes is directly related to their belief in my own investment in them. And so what does my investment in them look like? Is it, um, again, just based on I want a winning record for the, um, the season that we have that's inconsequential in the um, grand scheme of eternity? Or can I do something bigger for the kingdom in the context of this? So when we look particularly at youth sports, we're going to look at three things. Um, where does our investment in youth sports fall into idolatry? Where do parents go wrong? And then how can we continue to navigate this? So when you look at, this is pre-pandemic, but when you look at um, the three years before the pre-pandemic, or before the pandemic, rather, um, the percentages of 6- to 12-year-olds playing soccer, you know, we often think of soccer as uh, the uh, primary youth sport for a number of reasons, it dropped by 14%. So they've lost more child participants than any other sport. So you're looking at over half a million um, that are no longer playing. And so much of this attributed uh, was attributed to travel team expenses. That gets really expensive um, in the hope for college scholarships and private coaches, um, all those kind of things. And parents often justify this by saying, um, Johnny or Jimmy or Jackie are really talented, so this is a worthy investment into their future um, because they can get a college scholarship, right? Okay, so how many Johnnies and Jackies get a college scholarship? This is the men. We'll look at the women in a second. And I know that's hard to see, but what you'll overall what it says, that section that's highlighted, it gives you the percentage of high school participants, and it's actually just high school seniors, um, that go on to participate at any level of the NCAA, Division One, Two, II, or Three. And the numbers are not promising. Um, the highest one there is in lacrosse, and that's at 12%. Um, the lowest um, you can look at basketball is at 3.4%, and then wrestling is just a little bit under that at 2.9%. So high school seniors, the only 12 at a maximum, only 12% of them will actually play at any level of the NCAA. And obviously there's different scholarship offerings at the different levels um, on the men's side. And the women's side is fairly similar to that too. Um, there's a lot of opportunities in women's ice hockey, according to the NCAA statistics. So if you have girls in ice hockey, they have a 24% chance of uh, playing at some level of the NCAA, and there probably is a good amount of scholarship money for that. Um, but outside of that, um, the percentages look pretty similar to what we're seeing on the men's side. So if you have 
a 12% chance of your high school senior that's currently involved in sports having a chance of playing in Division One, Two, II, or Three. but we're doing all this investment from a travel perspective. We're missing youth group activities, maybe even Sunday morning stuff, depending on what the conflict is. Um, well, the percentages don't justify that. And then if you look at, um, some parents will think, man, you know, a couple coaches told me they have, a, uh, have potential to play in the professional leagues. Well, the other stats that you can find on the NCAA website will say that of this less than 12% of high school seniors that play, now you have those folks in college, it's about 3.4% of folks that play in college will actually play professionally. And the highest percentage of that is in baseball because they have a million rounds um, and they'll draft folks that will end up spending time in the minor leagues and but are still professional players. So if we have a 12% chance we're playing in college, in a 3.4% chance that we're going to be professionals, then we can't frame youth sports as a justifiable way to prepare us for that. So then how do we need to frame youth sports um, is the real question. How can we look at that differently? So we talked through that. Okay. Um, I would say we need to look at sport like we look at other things. Um, we need to look at sport as a way to help people grow in their relationship with Christ, a sport as a way to help kids um, find a love for physical activity, and then the ones that are gifted, let's work with them, and let's find a, a way to navigate that, but the stats say that's not going to be most of the kids, and so most of the, the youth sport programs um, that a particular person will coach, um, probably no, none of them will play in college, and the stats will say, too, um, when people think about the college scholarship, right, we're talking about Division One, they get a full scholarship. That's going to be present in men's and women's basketball, football, and maybe volleyball. Um, but the average, outside of that, the average Division One scholarship is $13,500, and the average Division One cost of attendance is $45,000. So even if they get a Division One college scholarship, um, it's going to fall very far, far, far short of actually covering their cost to attend a Division One institution. Um, and we can talk about my thoughts on Division I institutions later as well, um, but obviously I have a bias. So that can't be the justification um, because it's not even going to cover all their college expenses. But we're going to spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars taking people on youth sport programs, um, club soccer, AAU basketball, and investing in that. Now when they get to that level, there's probably more of a chance that they'll actually be able to um, compete at the college level. But when we look at the character development side, what's actually happening in youth sports? Well, the research would say that just because someone's participating in sport, their character is not developed. Um, their character is shaped by the way that sport is conducted. And so if you have a coach that's not shaping them in the right way, then their character is going to suffer as a result or the people that they're surrounded with. But if you have a coach that's coaching from a redemptive model, then we have some real potential to help them grow in their faith. And so our culture would tell us, put kids in sports, they're going to learn how to work hard, and they're going to be great, and it's going to really help them grow in their citizenship and all these kind of things. And some of that may happen, but the research would say they're not going to become better mothers, fathers, um, church members, people in society, just because they engaged in sport. So the way that we coach in sport then becomes really, really important. We have to coach in a way um, that does help our young folks really grow um, 
in their character and really grow in their faith. Kids can grow in their faith as a result of participating in sport, and it's an awesome opportunity, especially when we look at how attractive sport is and how many people are involved in sport just from a youth sport perspective. Um, but, and you know this, we can't just leave it to the coaches to come back in as parents and come alongside that and help them process these things, help them navigate these things. It can't just be we turn them loose and they play and we go to their game and then we just move on to the next thing. Walking them through those hard things, helping them navigate those things. How do we understand this in the lens of our faith? How do we treat a ref when he makes a poor call? How do I treat a coach when he doesn't play me? Um, How do I treat an opponent who does something that isn't in line with um, the way that sport should be conducted? are all awesome opportunities to unpack this. And I'll give you guys a few resources at the end that will unpack this even more. But there are some great opportunities here um, that we just, it's so easy to miss because we're doing so many different things and we play sports on Saturday morning and then we go to do something else and we don't really have time to process it. Um, But my son's frustrated and I'm moving on to the next thing. And um, let's say stop pause, think through this, and use this as a really cool opportunity. Um, and I would challenge coaches to do the same thing. So um, our coaches at Covenant, they have obviously time um, in the afternoons and evenings to conduct practice, but we don't spend all our time just trying to grow in our sport. We spend a lot of time in relationship development and in faith development as well, because we have a captive audience. Um, and coaches will, or kids will listen to coaches because coaches hold the ultimate carrot, they hold playing time, right? And so if you want to play, um, these are the things that we're going to um, spend time investing in, so I have a captive audience, um, and I have a reason for you to want to listen to me. So I would say sport needs to be conducted differently at different ages and for different skills. Um, when we step into youth sports and automatically it's this competitive model where we're trying to crush the opponent, um, not come alongside, not compete with, um, that's not cultivating the things that we want to see in our young folks in church, um, or even in our community. And so we want to introduce them as, hey, this is a fun way to play. This is a way to um, find something you enjoy, um, some type of physical activity, um, to be a good steward of the body that God has given you. And maybe it's something that you'll never play in college, you'll never play professionally, but that's fine. Um, You can still um, have great fun playing basketball with your buddies all through your life or golf or whatever that is. Um, And it's an awesome way to engage in that. And then we're going to identify some kids through that that do have skill. Maybe do have some ability to play in high school or beyond. And so let's look at a skill development setup for that. Um, and let's help them grow in their love for sport, but even bigger than helping them grow in their love for sport, let's help them grow in their love for the king that's gifted them as student-athletes, and let's do that well. And then from a winning standpoint, um, we think that God's given our coaches, hopefully, and our student-athletes or our young athletes um, gifts, talents, and abilities to use for his glory, but that doesn't always mean we're going to win. That doesn't always mean that success on the court or the pitch or the fields or the trails comes from no matter how hard we work, there's always someone more talented, right? So our emphasis on winning, um, I think, really needs to take a backseat. We need to focus on the character development and the spiritual development of it. And if we're doing those things and we're really focused on the skill development model, the wins will come and it will happen. 
time, we take the same model where I work, and we win a lot, but that's not the focus. Coaches aren't, win aren't keeping or losing jobs based on how much they win or lose. Um, but their efforts on discipleship really determine who we hire um, and then if we need to make a change. And so obviously if you're going 0 and 25, then maybe God's calling you to do something else rather than be a coach or, or a student athlete, right? So there is some baseline of expectation there. But the primary thing that we're addressing is what we think God is making the primary thing. He wants us to become more like him in the things that we're involved in. And sports just an awesome opportunity to be able to step into that. So um, I did do my research at Alabama on looking at do um, – this is at the college level, but it has applications for youth sports too. Do students that engage in sport or young folks that engage in sport actually grow in their faith? So when you look at um, different colleges or different Christian high schools, we all say we want our students to grow in their faith, right? And that's a good thing. We want that to happen. But there's actually no research model that shows, um, does that actually happen, gives us any kind of way to judge that. So what we did is we went in and we tried to look at, do our students actually grow in their faith as a result of being athletes? And so these were the top four things that contributed to um, folks that were engaged in athletics growing in their faith. So the number one is the relationship side. Um, at the college level, this comes through having a positive relationship with your head coach. If you have a positive relationship with your head coach, then there's some real opportunities to be able to engage in um, that discipleship side. And that was a primary contributor to that, which we were really excited about. Prior to college, um, that family framework for framing sport, framing identity in sport, um, framing the relationship between the parent and the child was the primary contributor to the faith development side. And then students having an art, young, I, I say student athletes all the time because I work at a college, so I'm asking for your forgiveness. I've said that a few times. But um, youth sport athletes that are engaged in sport, um, understanding that their identity is in Christ and not in sport. And this is something that we all battle, right? Finding our identities in things that are outside of the gospel. Um, so when they come to us at Covenant, even if they've been in a Christian school, grown up in an awesome family um, that loves Jesus, they really struggle with this, finding their identity in sport. And so we're having to deconstruct that. So the earliest opportunity that you can have to really jump into that and start to deconstruct that or not even allow it to be constructed in the youth sport framework is really, really important. Um, so that when we're in the conference championship for the second year in a row and it's penalty kicks for the second year in a row and our All-American misses the penalty kick, he's not crushed because my identity is in something bigger than sport. And that's something that happened. So we've been in the conference championship the last two years in a row, and that did happen. The All-American missed the, the penalty kick, and we did not go on to the NCAA tournament after having an undefeated conference season. And it's crushing, right? But that shouldn't be something that rocks us. We can grieve over that, and that can be something we're really disappointed by, but we're called to something greater as believers. And if we frame that on the front end, then we can navigate those hard things, and we can work through that in a way that glorifies the king. Um, and then specific individual um, circumstances. These are really adverse circumstances that God has really used in the life of athletes. Um, so we had one... Um baseball student athlete that was a major league draft prospect. Um, he's one of those top 3% guys that will maybe play professionally, right? Um, tore his rotator cuff and so told the teams that he had he had different promises um, from different teams. I'll draft you if you're available at this spot. Told those teams, was up front with his injury, um, and didn't get drafted. 
And so he came back to school his senior year, um, not knowing if he'd be able to play again, knowing he, he's not going to be able to play um, baseball. And God really met him through that, helped deconstruct his identity in sport. And so he played free his senior year. Um, he's a professional baseball player now, did get drafted after his senior year, lower than he thought that he would go. Um, but God really used that as a redemptive process in his life. Um, and there was other circumstances where um, we had a, a women's basketball player that lost a family member and lost her dad. And that obviously rocked her. And we would not wish that on anybody, but it gave her as a, a chance to evaluate her priorities in life. And she'd been prioritizing sport in a way um, that she realized through that that was not how God called her to live. And so um, God deconstructed that in the midst of that. And then the holistic environment, right? So for um, us, our goal is that you can't escape the gospel on campus through our coaches, through our classrooms, and through our residence life. Um, it's the same thing um, for you sport athletes, through coaches, through involvement in church, through what's happening in, at home with the family. And so being saturated in the gospel really helps frame this approach to sport. Um, and so those are the four things that we found that were the, the top four contributors to faith development in the context of sport, which become important with just the huge number of folks that we have in sport. So opportunities at home, understanding failure, like we've talked through, how to love your neighbor well, even when you're competing against your neighbor um, in the context of sport. And then how do we frame sport? How do we view it in the correct context? Um, there's uh, the, uh, the pastor, our church back home. Um, he's a big Georgia fan, and even though I went to Alabama, I still love him. But he tells his kids, um, we're not going to let our Saturdays um, be dictated by the performance of 18 to 22-year-olds. He's talking about Georgia football, right? So whether or not they win or lose. Um, but it's a really hard thing just to find our identity in the schools that we're affiliated with, especially for SEC fans, or even U sport if we're coaching. Um, our kids are seeing the way that we're engaged at a high level, the way that we prioritize those things, the way that we react. And then we see See those things modeled really, really early um, as they engage in it themselves. So we walk through, should sports matter to Christians? Um, the answer is yes, because there's so many opportunities in this. Um, we can defend this position from the Bible with the imagery that God provides. Um, sports don't build character innately. It's a really intentional investment that we have to put in to make sure that happens. And um, we suggested that Sports should be conducted differently at different age levels for different skill levels um, as a way to encompass as many people as possible in this sport or in the, the sport enterprise and make it something that really, truly can bring glory and honor to our king. So if you're interested in learning more, CJ Mahaney has this really um, small primer on sports with a lot of just great questions, especially in the youth sport front. Um, you could read it in an hour and a half probably. Um, and it makes us take a really intentional um, uh, evaluative process of the way that we're approaching sports. And then Brian Smith is an Athletes in Action guy. Um, he wrote The Assist, which is a gospel-centered guide to glorifying God through sports. And it's a little bit more extensive um, than the C.J. Mahaney book, but it's a really easy read. You could dock it out in a day or two, and it walks through a lot of these things that I've talked about a lot more in depth. We've had him come speak at Covenant, and, and he's phenomenal. So those are just two, probably the top two resources that I would suggest on that front, um, if that's something that you're interested in um, learning more about.
You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They are free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces.